Welcome back to Agent Investor, inspiring stories of active agents investing in real estate and building passive income. In a business where potential deals are all around you, why not leverage your skills to invest for yourself, your family, and your future? And now, let's jump into the latest episode of Agent Investor. All right, guys, welcome back to the Agent Investor Podcast. I'm your host, Tom Caffarella. We have a very, very special guest on today from my office. I, I've been talking a lot about the fact that we're doing a format change. For years, we've brought people from across the country that have had successful agent investor stories. We are now, um, in addition to people that are nationwide that I've never met before, we're bringing people that are a part of my company or that have been in my coaching program, or they've been a part of something that I've done. And not that I have, um, not that I've pushed them towards success because everybody that we have on that's been successful, they're kind of just listening to the stuff and watching what we're doing, but they're the ones implementing. So I've got a, a pretty big implementer on today. Um, this guy, he came to our brokerage, what was it, 2016? 2017, yeah. 2017. And it was interesting um, because we met uh, by Tyler trying to wholesale me a deal. <laughs> and and how, how old were you? I, so I got my license at 19. Yeah. So it, it was a short 19-year-old span. So I just turned 20 when I joined Cameron. Yep. But I did get my license at 19. And yeah, I did try to wholesale you a deal. <laughs> yeah. And um, it was, um, you know, like, like most wholesalers. You get a deal. They're trying to tell you how great it is. You look at it for 10 seconds and basically rip it apart because it's garbage. Um, and how to get end though? Like, I don't know because I, I usually don't push people to join the brokerage because if somebody's, I mean, I, I don't push people to join the brokerage that aren't focused on some way in investing because it's like, if I don't think it's a slam dunk, I'm not going to push somebody. But like, what what happened? I don't even remember. Like, I mean, I know I told you to join, but like, how did it go? So actually, when I started in real estate as a wholesaler, I mean, I came out, I was trying to do wholesaling while I was in college at Salem State. Yep. And at the time, I didn't even want to have, I didn't even want to get my real estate license. So I had no plans of getting my real estate license at all. And I was like a shotgun was shot off. Uh, and I was trying any deal that I could find, whether it was on Craigslist, I used to go to uh, the Salem Registry of Deeds to pull probate records. Yep. I used to do everything that was hard, but at the time I thought everything was a deal. Yeah. So I think you got one of those that I thought was, was a deal. Yeah. <laughs> it definitely wasn't. No, it wasn't. But I mean, I mean, you were so young. I mean, it was just like, I mean, it was impressive that you were doing it and you know, there's, there's a lot that, you know, I know specifically about you that's worth mentioning, but I think one thing that's just, you know, important for the people to, to realize is like Tyler knew, he didn't know anything about what he was doing. He just started doing it. And a lot of times, you know, myself included, like it took me six years to do my first investing deal. We research for five years and we see it for five years and then we still don't do anything. And you know, you went the opposite way, which creates some humor because when you really don't know what you're doing and you're doing it anyways, like you're going to make mistakes. But at the end, 
the, the speed to success is a lot shorter. So how long after you tried to wholesale me the deal did you end up joining the brokerage? Um, that was my introduction was that wholesale. Because I don't know if you remember this, but when, when I was trying to wholesale you the deal, we started talking about the tools that I use. And I had Mojo Dialer at the time. Yep. I had a couple of other sources that you had. Yeah. And at the time I was paying for, for Mojo Dialer myself. I was paying for expired leads and, and a bunch of other things that you offered for free. So mm. it was funny because I remember there was an email I sent you about everything that I used because I was like, this is what I, this is what I use uh, for my real estate business just in case I don't want to cross paths, which was, it was a stupid thing to think. But I ended up joining because you already had every single tool that I needed that you could just plug into. Yeah. And I think the best way to put how I started in real estate was you had the easy way and you had the hard way. And the hard way was the road less traveled. But in the, the hard way is, is pretty much cold calling, um, you know, all the stuff, you know, that I've, I've done in the past. But yeah. you offered all of those tools. So that's why. I thought it was a no-brainer to join. Yeah, and then and then you know you know we're probably going to skip around six months to a year without even thinking about it. But so I remember like we were we were so big on trying to get people on the phones and whatnot. And then I remember like it, it's crazy because even though an agent's job, whether you're trying to do retail deals or investment deals, is like you've got to be making contacts. It doesn't necessarily have to be calling people, but whether it's calling people face-to-face, -face, whatever, um, we were so focused on trying to get people to do the sales activities they need to do. And no matter what, like you were always doing the activities and you were doing the activities every single day. And we used to track like how many hours would people be on the phones and you'd be on the phones like 15 to 20 hours a week. And the mm -hmm. next, the person next to you, we'd be like, you know, feeding them and begging them and pleading with them. And they'd get to like two and a half hours. Um, but what's interesting about you, and this is true about um, me as well, is that even though you were doing the activities, you weren't getting the results. In the beginning, yes. In the beginning, yes. Um, yeah. So tell us a little bit about that. So I think the cold calling and that whole, I used to cold call four hours. I tried for four hours a day usually three, but it ended up being around the 15, 20 hours a week. And over the year it was 552 hours for the year. But when I first started that, I still have those cold calling YouTube videos, but they're on private. But if you were to even go I, back to I, those- I have some that I can release to the public. <laughs> but if you were to go back to those, you would think that's not even Tyler. Like no, it, it was a different version of me. Like I didn't know how to speak to people I didn't know I had a stutter. I didn't know how to ask questions. I thought, you know, I didn't know what an objection or rebuttal was. So if I didn't have those, you know, that one year or two, one and a half to two years of cold calling, I would, I would have probably succeeded five times slower. Mm -hmm. Like it would have probably taken me five times as long to get a breakthrough year because that cold calling two years built the foundation for 
everything that I know today about real estate and people. Yeah, I don't know who said this. It was a guru who said this that I heard the other day. I think it was Cardone or somebody like him. And, and he posted it. It was either on Twitter or Instagram about like how you have to work for free to get rich. And yeah. it, it's essentially like you've got to try your butt off for a long time and not get results and not get paid in order to really make a lot of money. And most people aren't willing to do that. And, and that's something that like me and you have in common where like, I remember, you know, just doing so many things that didn't work for whatever reason, either because I wasn't skilled enough or because the timing or whatever, it, it didn't really matter, but like you kept calling. So then what, what changed? I mean, you got better as time went on, of course, but like what actually changed in your business to, to, to go from being like, cause we did it at Aruba. We took yeah. 15 or 20 people to Aruba and Tyler won one of the trips because of his activity, but yeah. you still weren't making money selling. So like that was 2018, four years ago. So like, what, what was the point where it went from like being like, I'm working for free, getting better, but not having success to starting to have some success. So the more, the best thing I could say is I learned what not to do more than I learned what to do. Because just by doing, you'll have two different outcomes. One of them's right, one of them's wrong. But at least if it's the wrong outcome, you're going to learn from it. And you only make the same mistake twice. Yeah. So it was just a, a bunch of wrong, a bunch of learning what not to do um, that ended what, up. What, what stands out in the stuff like learning not to do? So, for example, like trying, saying things over the phone that would, you know, take away from someone wanting to meet with you when what you should be doing is, is, you know, just trying to get in front of them face to face or, you know, mostly just saying the wrong things. Cause I think in this business, it's however you're getting your business. The first step is talking to someone to get through the door, whether it's to meet with them in person. And a lot of the things that I did wrong was on the phone to not get a meeting or to, to screw up on the phone now, do you, um, were you even aware that you were doing that or like, did you figure that out? Like, like when did you start to if realize? you look at my YouTube videos, yes, yep. very, you could be very aware that it was wrong. <laughs> okay. Like, you, you can look back. I can look back at the YouTube videos of when I first started and I was like, you know, you look at it and you cringe, you cringe. It was, you know, it was just, you know, you need, I needed to get confidence. Mm -hmm. So where I kind of took off was when I got momentum. And I know you remember this, where I closed my first deal and then immediately, you know, a second deal comes. And then it, it's just honestly getting from one deal to the next, you get confidence, especially when you're new. And, and then it'll just build your confidence, build your confidence, and then you kind of get the hang of it. But it was really just confidence and momentum for me. Well, one, one thing that you told me, and I think that this is, you know, relevant too, is like, you got the right mentor at one point, right? Yeah. That was another thing that, I mean, we can line up all the different things, but um, this, this happened with me as well, where um, I've had so many mentors in my entire career. And there was a, there was a point where, 
like, I think every mentor teaches you something. And I, and I know with the people that different people you were working with, you probably learned something from all of them, but yes, you got a mentor at one point that probably helped more than others. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that was where, um, DeVito. I, what Bob DeVito. Yeah. Yeah. Bob. So that was where I noticed a big difference. Um, and it's interesting because like, um, you know, the other people that you had worked with, like, it's not like they didn't necessarily have success, but they, they, they weren't either the right fit for you or it didn't work out the right way. It didn't help you to like accelerate. Yeah. Like he, he's old school and there was no beating around the bush. He kind of told it how it was. And, and, you know, you needed to, you kind of needed to just take what he said and run with it and, and just do it and not ask questions. But yeah, Bob was definitely one of the biggest changes for me. Yeah. Cause, cause it was like, up until that point, it was like, you were putting in the hours, you were doing the work, you were calling, you were getting meetings and you'd have a closing here and there, but it definitely wasn't consistent. And yeah. now as we're, as we're like saying all this, right. So you got into investing, uh, you got into the, to the, you got into real estate, you were wholesaling. Yeah. Did you ever like have an objective of like why, what you wanted to do, like at any point? Did you have any idea what you wanted to do? Yeah. I mean, I didn't know exactly, but when I was in college at Salem State, I knew I didn't want to be in college. I knew I didn't want to work for someone. And so I honestly got into real estate by looking on YouTube as to, how do you make money as a young kid? I would just do a, a traditional Google search and I, and I came across real estate. So I didn't know where it was going to take me, but I know that I saw someone like you and I saw what you were doing and I knew I wanted to do that. Mm -hmm. um, and it ended up working out pretty well <laughs> by yeah, following your direction. Yeah, well, it's it's so crazy to me because like real estate is the ultimate like I don't know what the right word I'm trying to use, but it's like it, it it's not a climb up the corporate ladder type of thing. Like mm -hmm. you can have you can have a lot of success at a young age. It's one of the rare careers where it's like, oh shoot, by the time you're thirty, you could have done a whole lot. Whereas like in most careers, it's like oh by the time you're thirty. It's like, you're just starting to like, you know, move up. So, yeah. So you wanted to make money, but like, at the, like at that point, did you know if you wanted to like wholesale or fix and flip or be an agent or be long-term buy and hold, or it was just simply like, how do I make money as a young kid? Well, when, when I joined Cameron and I joined you and I got mentored by Bob, it kind of made me take a step back because I was, I was trying to take 10 steps forward. Mm -hmm. when I shouldn't have. So like, for example, I wanted to be an investor before I even knew about real estate. Yep. So the best thing that I could have done, what I, the best thing that I've learned was to be patient. Mm -hmm. And like you, like at the time I was like, I'm going to be a, a well, hold rich. On. Now, now you make fun of your, your own team members from wanting to build skyscrapers. That's right? this is why. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and and it's so funny because like, you know, when 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 he made that comment that he wanted to build skyscrapers, it was like you 
four years ago. Yeah, exactly. And it was like me 15 years ago. It's like the same because because when you're it's a weird thing. Like when you're like a 21, 22 year old guy, it's almost like your biggest obstacle is thinking you can do more than you can. Yeah. Like you think you're unstoppable and you're literally, you know, nothing. That's mm-hmm. the crazy part. Like you don't know how to do one thing. And yet, like you think you can surpass somebody to build a skyscraper within two years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But and like, fun. for example, like at the time I'm like, I'm going to be buying, I thought in my head, I was going to be buying a house as soon as I could afford it, which at the time I wouldn't even have been able to tell you how much is needed to afford a house, Yep. but without the patience. So like you need two successful years in real estate to even buy a house. Mm-hmm. And when I first started, I'm like, Oh yeah, I can bypass that, but you can't. So the best thing to, for me to do, the best thing I did was take the five steps backwards and figure out where am I going to get my next check? The easiest, the quickest, yeah. And, you know, someplace where I could do it over and over again. And then that's when I started really saying, I'm a real estate agent. I'm not just an investor. Yeah, yeah. And then that's, that's also where, like, the whole agent investor thing, you know, it stems from. It's like, you have to make six figures before you can make seven figures. Exactly. And, and it's like, okay, you can make six figures at 24. I mean, what was the first year? How old were you when you crossed six? Was it 23, 24? It was 20, 22. 22. Yeah. Crazy. So like yeah. you, cro- but, but like the year before that or two years before that, like, I mean, I don't even know if you made 30,000, right? No, it went from my first year. I made like one year I made 8,000. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was, it was um, crazy. And like yeah. in the first year, like you were living, what was it with your aunt and was it your aunt or your grandmother? Who are you My living with? You were living with your grandmother and you were lying to her, right? That you were still in college. Oh yeah. Yeah. Something like that. You had to lie. To her I had, her. yeah. I had to go to college in order to stay there. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Um, so you started, you know, so you started becoming a successful agent, you know, you started, you know, doing regular retail deals. Um, again, you know, we talked about the fact that you wanted to do investing and what was your first investment deal? The first one I did personally or the first, yeah. yeah. So, so, buy and hold or whatever. So it was after, it was actually the same month. So I closed on my first four family, the four family that I live in and my first flip property in the same month. How'd you um, find the four family in Peabody? <laughs> Listen, if I'm going to have you on, I'm gonna it, okay? Tom Caffarello was the one who gave me this four family. Yeah. <laughs> no, so it was, it was I, when I was taking your automatic seller appointments and going out for Ocean City Development, this came across, you know, this was an appointment I had. Mm-hmm. And obviously the first thing I have to do is, is represent you in Ocean City. So first thing I had to do was, figure out what the seller wanted. He wanted a retail price, but he wanted the convenience of a cash offer. So um, I made sure that, you know, you had first dibs on, on getting a cash offer on this house. And when it didn't work out, the only thing I could do is either list the house or buy it. 
and it ended up being a perfect property for me to purchase. So it ended up working out perfectly, but that came from the normal activities day to day. Yeah, no, it's, it's crazy. It really ended up being such a good property for you. And I was thinking about this, like, you know, if you're going to buy your first rental, you want to use your FHA or VA or whatever loan. And then it just happened that it was like in a city that it's close by to us. It's like, you know, we're from the North shore. So Peabody's like, you know, one of those towns where, you know, it's nice, it's fine, it's convenient. Um, so you ended up, you ended up doing a little bit of renovation to it. Again, talking about like the strategies on building wealth. So you bought it, like it was a little bit discounted. It wasn't yeah. a crazy discount. It was, you know, you probably had 50 to 100,000 in equity on day one, depending on who you ask. And then mm -hmm. you bought it, you put some money into it. Now, I, I asked you this in, in front of a crowd the other day, but like, what are you cash flowing? You're living for free. And then you're also cash flowing on top of that. How much per month? Um, 1500. So this is the part where investing is so powerful. And again, you got this through being an agent at our brokerage. You're living completely for free. You're making 20 grand a year, just owning the property. Your borderline for your age, and this is the crazy part, you're like almost like financially free. In fact, I wouldn't even be surprised if you actually are able to live off of that. Because again, like what bills do you have? You have no bills. You have no kids. I mean, you don't drive a fancy car. So, I mean, how much so, do you have to make above that? Not much. I mean, the funny thing is, is when I first got into real estate and when I was talking to you and we used you to should, talk a lot. You should just, if you were Goldfarb, you would be retired right now. <laughs> In a Corvette. Yeah. <laughs> but when you used to, when we used to talk, you used to always tell me how lucky I was when I first started to live at home and have no bills with yeah. my grandmother. Yep. And that was my biggest like advantage. I was so young. I had no bills, but when I, I'm in a multifamily and I'm making 1500 and it's the same thing. I know it's crazy, but like, you know, that that's where like, you know, when you're young, it's like a double-edged sword because it's like, you have the benefit of no bills, but you also have inexperience that hurts you. And like, it took you a long time. You took you longer to get going than it would have taken a 30 year old, but you also had the time to kind of, you had the ability to make $8,000 a year and not quit your job, right? You not quit being an agent. So, mm -hmm. so you did this deal and then, um, you know, you've been, you've been marketing for deals, both fix and flip and buy and hold. And, um, you have a team now. So how, what, Tell us a little bit about your team. So the way I built the team was to mirror how I got started. So a lot of agents, I guess there's a few types of agents, but there's some that can work sphere of influence. There's people that can work social media. And then there was like me, who's one category, which I do not work with friends or family. I, you will not find me on social media. So the only way that I'm going to generate business is by leads in a CRM and a phone number and they pick up or they don't. Yep. And so that's the only way that I can provide value to the team as well is like they'll, it's a, it's an all in one system of you have numbers to call same way I got started. You'll never have an issue with, with leads. And I went after a lot of 
all the team members are young. So they're from the youngest of 20 years old to 23, 24. So it's just a bunch of, um, you know, just reiterations of what I did and how I got started. Hey everyone, this is Tom Caffarella. I want to quickly interrupt the podcast to number one, thank all of my loyal listeners of the Asian Investor Podcast and tell you guys really quickly about an exciting event we have coming up. Uh, it's a two-day event. It's called the Passive Income Real Estate Investor Event um, that you can find out more details at PassiveIncomeEvent.com. We're going to be doing a two-day training session teaching all of the agents and all of the investors at the event on how to achieve financial freedom through real estate. If you're like me and your goal is to not work 80, 100 hours a week grinding, selling real estate, flipping homes, um, definitely check out this event. We're going to teach you how to build a passive income portfolio so that you can retire, so that you can work when you want, how you want, and ultimately achieve financial freedom. So again, go to PassiveIncomeEvent.com for more details. And we look forward to seeing you at the upcoming event. You know, we talked about mistakes you made with building the team. We, I've talked about mistakes yeah. I've made. And, and I think like one of the big things with building a team or a company or whatever is like, if people look at you and they're not looking up to you, it's a problem. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you know, you've taken a lot of guys that it was you like three or four years ago. Yeah. And it's like, you know what that person's going through. And it's, it's even a mistake I made, like building out the brokerage, just like trying to serve the wrong people, like, and, and, and just realizing that like, you're good at something, you had an experience, you know who you can help. And, you know, if I gave you, you know, 10 more David trains, you can make them successful instead of trying to go out and find like somebody who, you know, you can't help for whatever reason, because they're, again, they're, they may look at you, oh, geez, he's only like 26 years old. He doesn't know what he's doing. Like, or they don't look up to you. They don't want to be you for some reason. Sorry, I got um, some kids following me around. But um, anyways, so the lake house. I am. Yeah, we had to, uh, we had to take the boat out today. So this is like the last day then I'm going to be here probably for a little bit. And obviously we had the event last week, which, um, you know, took up a, a ton of my time and like, you know, I'm happy that it's over. Cause it, it kind of like overtakes my life when I'm doing it, but yeah, I'm happy that I did it. But, um, so now how are you doing with that, uh, Haverhill deal? It's too soon. It's right. so we're waiting on, uh, an MLC so that, we ended up finding out there's a piece of land separately deeded. So as soon as that title and MLC comes back, it, it can close. But yeah, that was that will be a big one. <laughs> yeah. Well, let, let's put it like this, right? Um, there's a jinx factor to this that if you grew up in Boston, you probably don't want to say this out loud. But Tyler's working on a deal, a wholesale deal. Actually, you've been a part of two deals within our company in the last like month. And this, this, this overall is like, you know, what I would say is the power of both being in our inner circle, being a part of our company and just like forgetting about us. Like if you're in another state, like just the, the, the benefit of like being an agent investor, like period. So um, a guy in our office, Jason, 
put under contract a three family in Lynn, which is like, again, a, a town that's, you know, very close to us. And it's a good rental area, um, very close to where Tyler grew up. So he went out face to face cash offer appointment, got it under contract for a great price. And then he assigned that deal to you. Right. Yeah. And that's going to become a buy and hold. And, and that deal is done, right? That deal's done. Yeah. So this is the crazy part. You know, we talk about like win, win, wings all the time about these deals. So the seller just wanted to sell cash, get rid of the property, whatever. Jason put the property under contract. Wasn't a good fit for him to buy and hold. Wasn't a good fit for him to flip without even putting it on the market. Like, I mean, how did you even know that he had that deal? So I ended up, it came about because they were interested in my Haverhill deal. And then they mentioned that they just got something in Lynn. So I was like, I'll trade, <laughs> you know, take mine and I'll take that one in Lynn. And that's how it ended up happening. Yeah. Was. So like, you know, to, to explain that like a little bit more thoroughly. So Jason in our office got a three family under agreement for a great price, assigned it to Tyler. He made six figures on the assignment, right? Yeah. You bought it happy with the price you're paying. It's going to be part of your long-term portfolio. You got how many units in Haverhill under agreement off market? 16. 16. Jason and his partner, Mike, who's also part of our company, um, need to do a 1031 exchange, are doing a 1031 exchange into the off-market deal that Tyler is buying. And I'm not even going to say what you made, but let's just say this. It beats any of my wholesaling records by like double. So it just think <laughs> I didn't make no, I know jinx call the jinx factor, but um, but again, like you know, we're talking about like you had to get to six figures before you could get to seven. Yeah, and you know now what I keep telling you, like when we talk, is like biggest because at this point you're gonna always make enough active income, right? Like you're you're not worried like oh I might have a bad year and only make eight thousand dollars again, right? Yeah, I mean, not to sound cocky at all, but I, I think I would have to like try to make mm -hmm. less than six figures. Yeah, you, and, and I agree. Like there's, and, and if you did, it wouldn't be 8,000. It might be 70 or 60. Like yeah. but whatever, whatever it is at your age, um, it doesn't even, it, not that it doesn't matter, it does matter, um, but you're not going to have an active income problem. So this is why, like I said this to you, and you, you probably don't remember this, but like, you have a, a, you probably, because of the way the math works, you will probably surpass me in net worth by the time you're my age, because you're at a point now where like, you're already in a position where everything you do, you can focus on just building up assets. Where like when I was your age, I was still working for an accounting firm. I didn't have my first property. I didn't have any real estate skills. So like, as long as you're continuing to just buy and buy and buy, you have so much time ahead of you that it's like, it doesn't even matter what you pay for anything. As long as you can hold it. I mean, by the time you're my age and you're 40, like it's going to be crazy. Um, yeah. So, you know, that goes back to also just the different ages of people and how like, depending on how old you are, you may have to take like a different road or a different strategy. And it goes back to the fact that like, you got such a head start because you were failing in real estate at 19 and not too many people can say that. 
most people are failing. Like I was failing in real estate when I was 27. And um, it's just crazy. Like how those years like add up and how much further ahead you can get by just starting earlier. Um, but with that being said, like, what are your kind of like goals over the next like two or three years? So like how, when I, besides buying more Bitcoin. (laughs) Yeah, that's coming up soon. But um, like, I didn't, if you were to ask me four years ago, five years ago, where would you be in five years? I would, I would, I would love to have the recording of me answering that, but now, I know hold on, be, now do, you, do you think that you've surpassed what you thought or do you think you're like way behind because you were so aggressive way behind yeah 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 yeah, <laughs> yeah. so <laughs> but i will say this i also i wouldn't have answered that with like i would i wouldn't have answered that with what i'm currently doing which is focusing on like buy and hold properties yep because before, when I thought about investing, I was like, all right, it's going to be fix and flip, fix and flip, fix and flip. And then when I, you know, we're on the fourth fix and flip property, my partner and I, you know, those are great, but those are like one and done. All, all the fix and flips are, it's a higher paid version of being an agent. Exactly. That's all it is. Exactly. It's a higher dollar per hour, but it's the same thing. Yeah. And in some cases, it's the same as a payout on a few million dollar property. Well, sometimes you could lose money. You can't lose money being an agent. Yeah. Yeah. So I I would have 100% said I would be flipping or I would be doing 50 flips a year, probably something crazy. But in reality, the focus is more buy and holds and you know accumulating. Because like what you said, in, in 10 years, what's going to matter is the net worth. Yeah. And if, I, if I'm, none of these flips are going to be part of my net worth in 10 years. But if, if I start accumulating now and buying and holding, then that's going to be something that's, that always sticks around. So one of the coaching programs I'm in, um, there, there was a, a guest speaker and um, he said something that really stuck with me that I never thought about this, this guy, he was on, he was like a wall street banker, really smart, just, but he said the most simple thing. And I never, really understood this or thought about this and he goes your whole your whole thing is net worth like the whole game is net worth and how you get net worth is just having the the most amount of assets you can like and and he said like people they get he's, he's like they get concerned with cash flow or cap rates or this or that he goes the more that you as long as you can manage it and not lose it it's all about how much assets under management you have because that solves every problem. It's so true. And people, that was one thing about me is I used to overthink, not take action because I didn't know. And then it was until I had a conversation with Bob and he, and it was about cash flow. And he was like, what's their mortgage? And I'm like, well, their mortgage is 2,800. What's the rent? All right. The rent's 35. Does that cash flow? And it, it ended up being, and then that changed my whole mind on like, why are we talking about cap rates? Why are we talking about this, that? Yeah, like, yeah. What's the rent? What's the mortgage? Well, Does yeah. Cash flow? <laughs> so like, you know, leading up to the event we had last week, I had so many people reach out to me and they go, is this a beginner event or an advanced event? And there were a couple people I like almost flipped out on <laughs> because people want to make, 
they want to make real estate so complicated. Yeah. I, I know you did that. I know you did that. Yep. You want to make it complicated. And then, and then it boils down to like, like literally a mathematical problem you could have done when you were six. Yeah. It's just, it's so simple, but we want to make everything so complicated, myself included. And it's like, you really just need to do the basics really well. And that's, that's all there is to it. And, and, and the more you complicate it, the more you get like off track. Um, so one thing about you that I think I'd like to just share with, with people that, you know, are, are listening, younger people that are listening. Um, I, I got started, you know, pretty young, but you are way younger than me. And I, and I know there are people who are listening that are, you know, under 25 that are nervous, that are like, Rightfully so. Like, you know, this is going to be hard. I'm not ready. I don't have the confidence. Like, what would you say to somebody that's in that like 18 to 25, you know, year window that's like, I'm not ready yet because I'm not old enough um, type of thing? So I'll break it into two parts. And one is what I would say to the agent side of myself when I was that young and what I would say to the investor. I would love to actually have you talk to the 19 year old you I feel like they were oh my god we'd have an argument (laughs) yeah but 19 year old you was in better shape and probably more fit (laughs) so you the 19 year old you would win physically beat me up would have beat you up but the the now version of you would win mentally so yeah so the 19 year old agent of myself I would I would make sure that he knew it's only a few simple steps that turn into a real estate transaction. And it comes down to meeting people and going on appointments. And the more appointments you go on, the more opportunities and the, you know, you throw crap at the wall to see what sticks. So I would say to the 19 year old real estate agent is to be patient. If your office is offering you resources, use them, but um, you know, at least stick with cold calling and the old tried and true methods of, of how people have gotten business and stay away from a bunch of, you know, stay away from people pulling you in all directions on doing this and doing that and doing this and doing that. Cause if you don't, if you, you could easily get pulled in every direction as a new realtor, yeah. um, every which way there's. And that, that's probably the you. biggest reason that people fail. Because yeah, they, they try a few things, a little effort, and then move on to the next thing. And 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 at, and at that age, it's it's tough because you probably you're listening to people that are older than you. You think they're successful. That's probably the most challenging part of being young, I would say, is actually it's getting yeah, is getting pulled in directions. You're getting pulled because like the older version may be like, okay, I can I can see who I want to follow more. Whereas like the 19 year old, because I'm thinking about this too. Like, you know, I thought everybody was successful. So so it's like, it's almost like, who the heck do I listen to? Yeah. Like the one thing about me is there was just one bread and butter that I used that worked. And once I found out it worked, I never changed it. And if someone came in front of me and said, oh, there's this brand new lead generation model you should try i may try it but i try with a grain of salt and i don't invest more time so well you know like you talked about like calling and stuff and i'm thinking about this a little bit too it's like there's foundational things that you need to get good at and one of those foundational things is like you need to learn how to talk to people 
and how you do that almost like, I don't think it necessarily matters, but you need to learn how to talk to people, which is essentially like, how do you ask the right questions? How do you listen? Um, how do you come across confidently? How do you get that confidence? How do you ask for a contract? But yeah, no matter what you're doing, you have, like, no matter how you get that skill, you have to learn how to do that. Yeah. And like myself, a lot of people when they're younger, they're very unconfident because I know I was, because I was like, I'm helping people sell a house and I don't even own a house. I learned a lot, a lot quickly. I learned a lot quickly. I listened to a lot of podcasts. I read a lot of books and that was the easiest way that I progressed that I could say, if, if you're new and you're just starting out, like when you have time, listen to podcasts, listen to Tom's old podcast, listen to as many podcasts or audiobooks that you can and just learn because it's the only way to progress is to learn. Yeah. Yeah. So um, with all of that being said, what would you say to the person who's been an agent for a while, who hasn't done their first investing deal and is nervous or scared or whatever? I'd say the first investment deal that you should do is the one where you don't pay for a house anymore. So meaning if you are renting right now or you live at home, like in my situation, I don't pay for a house. You know, yeah. I live for free. But if you're not an investor yet, or I, you, I, pay, I pay for two houses, this is terrible. But here's the thing with you, I'm sure your other properties pay for that house. Oh, I know. I know. <laughs> so every investor that you're going to see, the one thing we all have in common is we don't pay for our houses. And it's if you want to know where to start, start by either buying an investment property to live in and rent out or buy an investment property to rent out and then pay for your rental or wherever you want to be. But the first thing you should do is, is free yourself from the obligation of paying a mortgage or rent. And that, that should be your first step with being an investor is to be able to say, I don't pay for a house. And that, that would be the foundation of what I could say, you know, as to where to start. Now, to wrap, we've talked about a lot of positive things, but we both know we grew up in the North Shore, pretty much mostly negativity, 99.9% .9 negativity. So we're going <laughs> to negative note. What's the biggest mistake that you've made in your business that you want other people to avoid? The biggest mistake would be uh, similar... Uh... I would say taking so long to take action, massive action. Hmm. Like that's interesting because I would say that you've taken a lot of action. I think it's like it's more of I wish I like I wish I bought more houses two years ago or whatever. Yeah. But I, I guess it's just a time of the market. I mean, I don't I don't know exactly how I would say um, that I regret not buying. I, I guess it's all part of the process, but. I feel like I could have taken more massive action. I yeah, guess. Yeah. yeah, I know. I mean, there's like, there's a, there's definitely a balance there between, you know, everybody says that, like you go, you know, Grant Cardone, 10X, do this, do that. There is a point where like, you're taking too much action and you're setting yourself up to fail. So there's, there's definitely some sort of like, you know, balance there where it's like, you know, you need to be, 
on the offensive enough, but you can't be like too far over your skis where it's like, you're just taking a bunch of action. We've seen people come and go quickly, you know, at the brokerage, they're taking a whole bunch of action, but then they're out of business in like a week or a month or a year. Yeah. Or whatever. So it's like, there has to be a balance and, um, but no, I mean, I think that, you know, you're one of those people that have come through that I look at and like, you put, again, anybody that I'm interviewing that's part of my company that's come through, like there have been, how many people since you've been here, 500 agents who have come through the door and, and yeah. most, and most of them, they don't do anything. So I'm going to say this like as a compliment and also just like the, the reality of it is, is like, whether you're with our company or you're in the inner circle or whatever, the resources are out there, but only like one out of a hundred people actually implements it. And, and it's like, it's such a crazy, crazy thing um, that only one out of a hundred, you know, really, really implement. Maybe it's not one out of a hundred, maybe it's one out of 50, but it's, it's rare. It's more like one out of 10. It might be one out of 10. I, I don't think it's as high as one out of 10 that implements, honestly. Yeah, I think probably one out of five. Yeah. I, I think it's, I think it's a low probability and it's just like, I give you credit because you've done it at a young age and it's going to be very interesting, you know, to forecast out like where you end up going, but regardless, like you have the base and that's where, again, I think like, if you don't have the base yet, you need to get the base. Cause like he said, one of the most, you know, important things I think he said in the whole interview is like, he'd have to try not to make a hundred thousand. But that's not just agent money, right? You're talking like combining the two, right? No, just agent money. Oh, just agent money. Well, that's even better if you if if that's the lowest you're going to make on the agent. Well, just going off of like what I'm I've been able what I've made from the brokerage. Yeah. The last three four years. Yeah. No, but it just it's just the fact that like you got a foundation. The foundation took you a while. And now that you have it, it's like, you can't undo the foundation. And I always, I always worry myself about like, you know, even my business and what I'm doing and people say that stuff to me too. And I, and I really think about it. It's like, you get to a point where you're valuable enough that it's like, it's hard to lose, but that's all from you doing those 15 to 20 hours a week. That's all from, you know, share with the listeners, like how many hours, a, how many hours a week do you think you listen to podcasts or educational stuff? I would say on a 12 hour day from 8am to 8pm, anytime I was in the car, so which was a lot. So you're going on appointments, you're always in the car. I would say that I could read, I could go through like three to four hours of content a day while and, I was in the car. And this is like what makes you different and again like where again it's just a huge takeaway for people i think it's like some people you know i always say like at the conference i had last week i said you know people came for a two-day event two days eight hours a day and one of the biggest points i i made is like this is a lifetime commitment to getting better and learning and you're spending four hours a day potentially you know so it's like the people who have success there's always these like traits and clues that they leave. And one of them that's hugely foundational is getting educated and by multiple sources, right? So you talk to me at least like a few times a week. And of course, like I'm a good mentor, I help you, but you're not just listening to me. And I think that, that that's important because you're listening to 10 different people 
you're getting all different ideas and then you're, you know, implementing. And there's something to be said about like, if you look, if you were to look in 10 years from now, say you were, you, you go tomorrow, you're like, I'm going to start listening to content. And then you look at yourself in a month or two months or a year. And there are going to be stuff that show where you got your, um, like little pieces of knowledge from, because there are a lot of times where I'm listening to podcasts, listening to audiobooks, And when I hear something that sticks, usually it sticks and stays in, as part of my business or part of how I do things. So all of those little tiny pieces of information that do stick and are valuable, like maybe someone got one piece of knowledge from this podcast yep. or another podcast, like I'm a true believer that that does shape who you are and knowledge is power. So it, it would be stupid to say I, I am who I am today because I wasn't listening to so many podcasts or audiobooks because I am like that's, I got little pieces of knowledge from each of them. But you're putting, so, so you can put four hours a day. Everyone can put at least two hours a day of content in their head. Right. So it's, yeah. the, it's the difference between, are you listening to the radio or the exactly or whatever, or are you listening to the best business minds in the world? And, you know, there's a reason the saying, like, you're the average of the five people you spend the most amount of time with. Yeah. And people think like, oh, I need to like hang out with those people. No, like you need them to be speaking to you. You don't need to be having a two-way conversation. Like you need to be listening and sinking in. And and like, I, I, I had the same thing. Like, I'll say something and then I'll be like, oh, you know what? I heard that somewhere else. And we're just like, we're not that smart. We think we're smart but we're really just copying like other people. So it's like, yeah, exactly. Like, who, who, are, who are you? Who do you want to copy? Do you want to copy <laughs> like, a sitcom or like, you know, the radio, or do you want to copy like a multimillionaire or a billionaire that you're listening to every day? Yeah. So, all right. Well, um, I appreciate you taking the time to come on. Um, you're in that four family. So congrats on that. It looks good. Is that your room? <laughs> oh, nice. Look at that guy. Hey, go back to that. The kitchen yeah look at this look at that renovation look at what i gave tyler i know no it looks awesome and congrats and um you know again obviously i'll i'll be probably talking to you later today or tomorrow so um i know you're busy and you're not one to do too many uh speaking engagements so we have to work on that as time goes on yeah hopefully this is good well we'll see if it gets uh one star <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll be the first to tell you so all right all right guys you, we'll Tom. be back again next week with another episode of the agent investor podcast and i'll talk to you later tyler thank you thanks again for listening to the agent investor podcast and especially thank you for sharing the show with other agents and reviewing the show on itunes every time you share the show and leave a review you are potentially changing someone's life To get free weekly education, strategies, and to connect with other agent investors across the country, join our free Facebook group at agentinvestor.com. Again, that's agentinvestor.com.